Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's Australian Open Round 4 catch-up, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. Sviontek, Goff and Garcia crash out. Rublev outlasts Runa. And Novak Djokovic marches on. Kim, Chris, today is the 23rd of January and we are here to catch up on round four of the Australian Open at Tennis Weekly HQ. We have had some big shocks on the ladies' side. Iga Svantec, the top seed, Coco Goff and Caroline Garcia have all crashed out. The prophecy is not coming true for now. We had a fantastic match as well with Rublev coming through match points down against Holger Rune and Novak Djokovic. Magically, his leg, well, his leg looks a lot better in a destructive performance of Alex de Menor in three sets. So as always, lots and lots to get our teeth into. But I've got to confess, first of all, Kim, in our last episode, I thought you were in Bruges and I told our listeners you were there when the reality was you were somewhere else in the UK. I know, I feel quite deceptive, but I, I was just doing some latergrams on Insta and I you assumed I was away. Our listeners, I'm sure, feel cheated as well. What a scam. Oh, No chocolate for us, Kim. No chocolate, <laughs> I'm afraid. I mean, I can get you some English chocolate, but not like they have in Bruges. But next time, I will, when I'm genuinely on holiday, I will get you both something to make up for it. Is this, is this what you do? You just want to give this sort of portrayal that, you know, you're somewhere like, nice and exotic in the world when like the reality is it's you know in like Croydon shopping center or something yeah that's it this is I was actually in Croydon shopping center which is why I the whole weekend I couldn't uh podcast I mean, on what, Sunday what better places to 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 be right well I bet Croydon shopping centers are, are loving this episode if they're listening um <laughs> everyone visit Croydon yeah no I I was occupied I wasn't in Croydon I was in I was around the London region um doing some nice things so I wasn't able to join you but I, I hopefully everyone's pleased to hear I'm back even though I didn't go to Belgium <laughs> for the weekend um but let's yeah I mean this isn't a podcast about my my trips or or not trips um <laughs> as much as we might like to talk about them let's talk about the fourth round at the Australian Open because and, and I actually feel like I could do some Belgian chocks to make up for the fact mm. that Caroline Garcia is out. Sad times. Yeah, the prophecy well, is no more. Sad times for you. Sad times for you, I would say. I'm I'm all aboard the the Magdalenette or should I say the Magda Goatnet train all the way through to the quarterfinals. Well, you did call this, Joel, because you WhatsApped us uh, the <laughs> night know. before saying, are we all going to wake up to a, a goat net victory? Um, and that is exactly what we mm. did. Uh, 7664, it was straight sets to Magda Lynette. Um, she's never been into the fourth round of a Grand Slam before, so she's into new territory. But um, sorry, to the quarterfinal, I should say. So getting getting lost in my rounds because I missed the last catch-up. Um, but she's made her way through by beating... Obviously, Garcia, the fourth seed. Um, she also has beaten the 16th and the 19th seed. So she is well on her way through. Um, and, you know, she was down in that first set, um, a double break, you know, and she sort of managed to turn it around, get that tie break, 6-4, serving really, really well. And, and she just, yeah, 
fantastic for, for her, you know, going into this stage for the first time. But Chris, I, I kind of feel like Joel doesn't really care about Garcia, but I feel like you're you're more um, sympathetic to to her. Where did Caroline go wrong in this match? And what was it that Lynette was doing so well to, to get this victory? I am definitely um, on the Garcia train of the, of the two. I think we want to see her, uh, as we say, fulfill the prophecy. We want to see her do well. But it's one of those matches where if Garcia's serve doesn't get going, it does get an awful lot more difficult for her. And she only made 49% of her serves in this one. Um, and she only won 39% of points behind her second serve. So the numbers were not great. And when it came to the unforced error winner count, she had six more unforced errors whereas Lynette actually had 11 more winners than unforced errors so it just feels like Garcia was a bit off and Lynette was playing very very tidy tennis so a shame for Garcia but we want to see people win matches not lose matches and it felt like Lynette was able to do that yeah and I mean you know it, it's great for her she she does have a couple of top 10 victories in in her career this this is her fourth i think um and actually three of them have been against top 5 opponents it's great for poland as well isn't it because Igor Świątek and Hubert Herkaj probably the two you probably say say the two leading lights in 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 polish tennis at the moment in on in the singles um have both you know gone out but who who would have thought that you know magdalenette would be the the last person standing in in Melbourne. But you're, in, but in you're the saying singles. you did think that, Joel. You're well, trying to claim full credit for this, I believe. I know that she is actually the unsung hero of Polish tennis. Mm. Well, who needs Igor Świątek when you've now got Magdalenette? Hey? Well, exactly. exactly. Well, I know, and and also I was reading. I don't know if you guys saw this, but she has put up for auction a dinner with her as part of a I think a Polish kind of charity benefits dinner which I think is going on um, in like a few weeks time and I had to go on to see the bid to see where it was at based on you know her quarterfinal run and whether it had gone into kind of a it's her price had skyrocketed so mm. any any guesses do you think for I think it was a dinner yeah a dinner a meal a sit-down chat with Magdalene, um, probably over a three-course three meal. Three courses, okay, right. Not, I'm not, gonna go... not like the Ritz or, or Nobu, but <laughs> like <laughs> sort of a okay. local... Maybe like a Polish... Yeah, it could... I mean, it could... Okay. Well, Polish Pizza Express sort of thing. Yeah. Um... Okay, got it. <laughs> Do I'm going to go... Pizza Express in Poland, I wonder. I, oh, I don't know. We need to find the terms and conditions out, but irrespective of the cost of food, plus or minus about 100, 100 pounds, I'll say 7,200. What, pounds? Wow. Um, Is this a bit like the Jeannie Bouchard offering a date thing? Um, I think that that was for for free, though, wasn't it? (laughs) Was it for free? The tickets, the tickets. tickets. (laughs) No, no, that came out wrong. I'm sure she went on a date with someone off Twitter. Um, 5,000 Zloty. I don't know what the exchange rate is. Kim, you're not right, but Chris actually um, is very, very close. It's at the moment at around, I think, seven thousand seven hundred pounds, which is, I think, forty-one thousand zloty or there or thereabouts. So, um, oh, yeah, I wonder, wow. I wonder how high it will go. Sky's the limit if she's able to to make it to the final. Maybe this could be our new crowdfunding idea: a dinner with Joel. <laughs> we could auction off. <laughs> but I, I, no, in all seriousness, I do love these stories of of players who have been around the tour for so long. I mean, this was her thirtieth Grand Slam main draw appearance. It reminded me of Pavlichenkova at the you know the French Open when you know she's you know a player who has been around for for so long. 
and then she got to the you know the French Open final and it was almost kind of like a cherry on top of of the career and um, it was great I think to see Lynette kind of go on and, and make the most of these opportunities. And she's got a great draw, doesn't she? I was looking at this. She's mm. got Pliskova, who's a bit bit of a surprise at this stage of yeah. a slam at the moment. But she actually played her, and we saw some of that at the Billie Jean King mm. Cup. In case our viewers don't know, we did go. We do mention it every episode. <laughs> um, did we, did we go? Out, where was it? Oh, yeah, it was in Glasgow. Yes, yes. Yes, we did go. And maybe the only people who've been to every Billie Jean King Cup, except for <laughs> Billie Jean King herself. Um, but we did see her play against Pliskova and she made short work of her. She beat her mm. at 6-1, 6-4. So if you're looking at this draw and you're Pliskova, Madeleine is not someone you want to see who's going to be swinging freely and has just beaten you at the end of last year. So we wish them both luck. But I think I, that... Um, Chris, Pliskova I will say though, I feel like a quarterfinal of the first Grand Slam of the year is a little bit different to the court we saw them play on, which was like a a repurposed velodrome um, in, in well, Glasgow. She can win anywhere, clearly. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, it was like a tennis court inside the velodrome. On the, velodrome, the, uh, the, on the velodrome tennis court, track. on the running track. They yeah. did play at the US Open um, and it went down to the wire last set tie break. So mm. it could be, a, we could be in for a cracker if, if it's if it's like that. Um, but yeah, Pliskova, you know, she's she's not um, in the top 10 as she as she has been. She's she's down at 30 in her seeding at the moment. So, but she's been coming through fairly nicely straight sets over Zhang Shui um six love six four under an hour um you know very impressive on serve which when we know her serve works well she's she is very hard to beat um so you know she is obviously more experienced at Grand Slam so I'm still going to give Pliskova the edge I think in this matchup are you surprised more by Pliskova's progress to the quarterfinals or Lynette's because this has caught me quite off guard how how easily Pliskova seems to be coming through the draw. Mm. I mean, I think she's been helped arguably by some of the quality of the opposition she has faced, but um, mm. I wasn't, yeah, 30th seed. Don't think I was expecting her to get through to the, the quarterfinals. I think uh, she, Lynette is, is definitely the surprise for me. Um, I, Pliskova has got to slam finals, so I don't mm. think, you know, she, she's always one of those players that could just go deep. She's quite capable, uh, if, especially if the draw opens up, which it has done. Um, so I think personally, she's looking quite quite, so, quite strong for, for the semis. I think maybe it might be a step too far for Lynette, but we'll have to wait and see. She's been, she's been you know, seed killing um, so far this tournament, so I wouldn't, wouldn't put it past her. Um, let's talk about the other uh, section of the women's um, from today, because we saw a really interesting match between Irina Sabalenka and Belinda Bencic, who were both coming into this on seven match winning streaks. They both won titles on the tour, you know, prior to the AO. Um, and it was kind of really interesting to see who would come out on top because potentially the winner of this match, you know, could well go all the way, you know, they're quite, quite, you know, one of the favourites given their recent form. Um, Chris, this this resulted in a straight sets victory for Arena Zablenka, 7-5-6-2. Um, were you surprised by, by this result? Um, what, what did you make of, of both of their performances in this one? I was kind of bookmarked this as the, the fourth round match that I was probably most interested in because I think coming into this, as you say, they're both on match winning streaks and Sabalenka seems to have done some wonders to her serve because she managed to serve some of the best numbers that I've seen her 
I mean, for a long time, and such a change from what's been going on with her previously. In fact, she served four less double faults than Benchich did. So um, I think that potentially Benchich should book an appointment with the biomechanics help that Sabalenka's had because she's a, she's completely changed her swing. Um, she's been watching so many videos as to how she'd be able to uh, to adapt her swing and she doesn't seem to have lost any pace any accuracy she's completely changed her second serve and if you can hit the ball off the ground like she can which has never been a problem um i think she has to be the favorite for this one because an informed benchich in straight sets like that having come back from a breakdown um i mean th- over 30 winners she's a very very intimidating prospect at this stage of a slam yeah she's playing with a lot of uh, confidence as well i think yeah I've- yeah, a few years ago, she was almost like, yeah, she was one of the top seeds. But did we really expect her? Did she really believe, I feel, that she was a Grand Slam contender? But I think seeing her play this week, particularly this match against Bencic, for me, yeah, what, what struck me was the confidence and I think the belief that she she's playing with at the moment. And yes, she might be seeing all these seeds fall around her, like Svantec, Coco Goff. And she's, I think, just lapping it up and being like, right, this this is my you know this is my moment and I think she really really believes it it could well be you know her time to break her duck as a as a Grand Slam champion. She seems super focused, doesn't she? I think mm. that's such a good point, Joel, because she's a woman on a mission. She is, and she's she's been at this stage before, but I don't always think that she's thought she's going to win it. Um, especially at the US Open last year, it was almost kind of a, a turnaround story after a very sort of up and down year. And I do wonder if also, because Dmitry Tursunov, Sablenka's coach, is now Belinda Bencic's coach. And I thought that was going to give the edge to, to Bencic, but I feel like it might have also fueled Sabalenka to be like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you. Well, I think it might have done. I mean, he seems to have gone around the houses um, quite a bit, doesn't he, with... Uh with various players that he's been coaching. So he's obviously doing fairly well with Benjic so far, given her, mm. her start to the season. But yeah, I think may- maybe Sabalenka did have that extra urge in her to, to overcome um, Benjic on this one. But she's got, I would say, a-, a decent draw as well, because she will be playing Donna Vekic in the quarterfinals, who came um, up against Linda one of the Lindas, Linda Fraverteva, um, who was herself bidding to become the youngest Australian Open Court finalist in 25 years at the age of 17. Um, almost 18, but very, very young still. And uh, this was a three-set affair. It was 6-2, 1-6, 6-3, Vekic. Um, so Linda is out, but Donna Vekic through to her first quarterfinal of a Grand Slam since the 2019 US Open. And I didn't realise this, but now Donna Vekic is also on a seven-match win streak. She was undefeated at the United Cup. So is this someone that's gone way under the radar? Who Going into the AO, we we totally ignored the fact that she um, did quite well at the United Cup. And, and maybe we just kind of overlooked her, her in the draw because we do know she's been in the top 20. She's capable of getting these big wins. And she's back in the quarterfinals of a Grand Slam. Um, do we think she's got any chance against Sabalenka? Do you think she can carry on going further? Joel, what's your what's your opinion? Are you sad, first of all, that Linda's out? I know you're a big fan of one of the Lindas. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm... Which Linda is he a fan of? <laughs> yeah, we well, don't know. <laughs> he doesn't know either. No, I don't, to be fair. No, I'm, I know, I'm really happy for, for Donna Vekic because, you know, she's had a very tough, I think, couple of years with, with injuries. And she was such a... 
bright prospect i think when she was coming up you know through her career and and you know and and times yeah they got they got tough for her and and these sorts of results just weren't happening for her and um it's great to see her back i think you know realizing that potential and um it's great also to read about you know she's teamed up i think with pam shriver who i think has certainly is a a very accomplished doubles player has helped her progress her serve and volley um you know movement to the net um which again i've been watching in some of the highlights of her um you know her videos uh, on, on youtube this week um so yeah it's great it's great it's great to see yeah a little bit unfortunate for for through for, for but i can't help but feel happy for vekic given the injuries and the the layoffs that she's been through um over the last few years yeah chris do you think this is just sort of Obviously, it's it's nice that Donovan just got through to the quarterfinals. So you, this is Sabalenka's to lose, get given given her draw now in this side of the. I mean, and even Sabalenka, if it was the Sabalenka Pliskova, you know, semi. Do you think Sabalenka out of this half is is now the definitely the one to beat? I think she is. I think the difficulty with Sabalenka is she also moves well. Um, but you've got to beat her in this sort of form. You've got to take the game away from her. So it would take more of us uh, oh, a Pliskova kind of going into serve bot mode, um, you know, and then really going for that that uh, that third shot or, uh, after after the return of the serve. But I can't really see past Sabalenka in this section. But Vekic can handle the pace. Um, she's great at redirecting the ball. But I think that she will kind of come up a bit short in this one because if you look at the people she's played in this tournament, it's a great result. But um, it's a big step up, I would say. Yeah. I mean, let's let's look at the men's results uh, from today. We did have a real thriller um, out on court between Andre Rublev and Holger Rune. Um, this went down to the wire, a final set tie break. Rublev saved match points. He was five love down in that final set tie break, um, saving two match points coming through. Um, yeah, what an absolutely cracking roller coaster of a match. Um Andre Rublev managing to get the win. On a dead Olga neck Runa. cord as well. Yeah, what a way oh. to end um, such a long he match. He celebrated it. I couldn't believe it. Uh, he dropped the foot. It was a bit, it was a bit odd. Again, it was that sort of Andy Murray Berrettini situation of, mm. oh, I want to celebrate because, you know, another, know another two quarter of those, final. Two of those in, in the space of a week, really. Um, but yeah, where was your thoughts out on this one? I, I was so kind of sure that Runa was the one to... To kind of come through this, I had him in my, I think I put him in my quarterfinal predictions when we made them before the tournament. And I really do feel like he, he probably should have got the job done um, mm. at this serving for it, you know, being up in that last set tie break, having the match points. But Rublev, you know, very experienced, very consistent, um, just kept his nerve, got it done. Bit of luck at the end, of course. Um, Joel. Where, where are you at on this one? Do you think Rune's going to be ruining, um, <laughs> ruining this uh, defeat? It's a lot of ruse going on here. Yeah, I think it was a very, very tight match. I think the fact that it ended on a net cord just shows how little there was between them. And, um, you know, I think on, on another day, it could have very easily been a, a Holger Rune victory. I do wonder if maybe Grand Slam experience counted against Rune and actually counted for Rublev. I loved his honesty and his his post-match interview when you know Rublev was just very candid about how 
you know, he wasn't in a good place. He thought he was going to lose it, but he just told himself to kind of keep fighting and play a better tiebreak than he did. I think against, uh, I think he referenced uh, Chilic in the in Roland Garros la- last year. Um, so I just think Rublev maybe just maybe arguably wanted it a little bit more, and we know he's still got that issue. I think when it comes to quarterfinals, I think this is his seventh quarterfinal now, and he's sort of yet to make that breakthrough but he's very very consistent at getting there I think this is his third Grand Slam quarterfinal in a row taking out Wimbledon which obviously he wasn't um wasn't able to be present at but um yeah I think Runa had has had a very good tournament but I just think it was like a maybe Rublev wanted it a little bit more and was able to overcome that adversity when it was thrown at him Mm, I mean, unfortunately for, for Rublev, he does have Novak Djokovic mm. in the quarterfinal. So, I mean, I don't want to say it's a pointless match, but given the way that Djokovic <laughs> played today, I, I, have, I don't think Rublev's got any chance um, of winning. I, and I, I, I'm sorry to appear negative, but I, I really, you know, Novak Djokovic cast aside Alex Domenor, 6-2, 6-1, The leg looked fine. He was moving freely. Um, you know, he sort of seems to have, again, miraculously recovered um, from any sort of ailment and was just imperious, just absolutely on top of things. I've, I've got no doubt that he will win the title after what he, he did today. Kim, I swear the practice match between Nick Kyrgios and Novak Djokovic was more competitive, I feel, <laughs> than this match against Alex <laughs> Demonor. Alex Demonor. I know that's yeah. really Goodness, scathing. Joel, that is savage. It ended with the bull kid playing Nick the points. Kyrgios. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really, I'm not oh, sure God. is completely fair. But, Apologies, ADM. Um, but I mean, it's, I, I don't, I don't want to roll my eyes at this, but I think we <laughs> but all you're going to. were kind of, I'm, I'm rolling my eyes right now because <laughs> we all watched him play that last one. I genuinely thought that he might have retired if he'd lost that first set against Grigor Dimitrov, the way that he was sort of walking about, the way that he was kind of gesturing to it, almost limping at times. And um, suddenly it's healed overnight and maybe it's the gluten-free diet. I'm not sure, but it seems to just suddenly have become um, injury-free. And I think for me, the only frustration I have with it is that um, you kind of give the benefit of the doubt, obviously, because why would you, if it wasn't a problem, um, he wouldn't be kind of having it strapped. He wouldn't be talking about it. But then this one, he's kind of talking about it as though it's not an issue at all. You know, he didn't think past this. Um, he didn't know until after he found Alex Dimonor, kind of no challenge at all, that he'd be in such a good condition for this match. So, is there an argument though to say, and again, I'm being totally savage to Alex Dimonor, that he just wasn't able to be at a level that brought that injury out of of Novak Djokovic, like Grigor Dimitrov, you know, was able to do in the previous round. Mm, mm, that is definitely uh, potentially a reason for this. Um, but having seen Dimonor play, I saw him play in Stockholm. He's got. He has got more on his shots than you think. Mm. Um, but I, I, if you're putting them up against each other, I mean, this match was never going to go if Djokovic was fit more than more than three sets. Is Alex de Menor just becoming a bit of a journeyman? I know he's still quite young, but I don't mm. think he's got the, the weapons. We are being all very savage, aren't we, towards Alex de Menor? <laughs> Is he a better episode? version of John Millman? Like, but not he's not mm. going to reach the highest heights. I, I think we're just slagging him off now, potentially. I do. No, I don't know. I, I think I think he's, I mean, he's reached number 15 in the world. He's coming mm. up to his 24th birthday. Um, yeah, I'm definitely being a bit harsh then. <laughs> no, but I, I, but I think it's, 
it's the sort of people that will break through and get the results. They have to have sort of these big weapons. Like we see people mm. um, like Sitsipas who has the weapons but hasn't been able to convert. I mean, someone who Sitsipas doesn't think has big weapons, uh, no tools at all, Rublev. We think he has a big forehand, but he isn't able to put it together. So if you don't have those weapons, you don't have those things you can rely on in those moments. And it sounds like he was a bit of a ball machine for, mm. for Djokovic, but doesn't mean he won't be able to get up to number 15 in the world again, but I don't think great he'll be lifting silverware. Yeah. yeah, great practice match. <laughs> well, another player we spoke about who we say, you know, is a player who people look at and doesn't think has weapons, but has had a very good career is someone like a Roberto Bautista Agut. Um, and I think consistency can get you to around about kind of top 10. And maybe that's what Alex Dimnor could potentially get to. But yeah, at the moment, it just feels like without those weapons, he's not really troubling the top players. And, you know, movement is one thing, but there needs to be more to it than, than that. And it doesn't really feel like he has that X factor at the moment. I mean, talking of Roberto Bautista, he hasn't made it into the quarters, Joel, like you predicted. That is true. He came close. Thank but goodness. Tommy Paul got the best of him uh, mm. in four sets. You called that, uh, didn't you, Chris? Um, I don't know if I did. I think I might have gone the other way, but I will say that I did call that. <laughs> but um, I think I said something about consistency. I think I said... Um, that Tommy Paul is someone who isn't the most consistent on the tour playing against someone who is one of the most consistent people on the tour. So I do think that Tommy Paul's level of tennis is higher. And if he could put it together, I thought he would come through. But um, if it comes to five sets, I probably I probably think I said um, Batista Agu there. But I mean, the Americans having quite the tournament. Um, yeah. I mean, Tommy Paul. Three, three. We- yeah, he'll be playing Ben Shelton in, in his quarterfinal. Um, maiden uh, Grand Slam quarterfinal for, for both of them. Shelton knocking out another American, JJ Wolf, in five Americans set. everywhere. Yeah, and Ben Shelton, he's only on his second Grand Slam appearance. So, you know, he's absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, so so many Americans, it seems. I think we've got three American quarterfinalists at a Grand Slam. It's the first time since... I mean, the, on the men's side, anyway, since the 2005 US Open and in Australia, the first time in 23 years. I'm just looking at that list. Agassi, Blake, Robbie Ginepri. That is a wow. that is a blast from the past. What a name. Um, which begs the question, who is the American number one? We talk about the French number one, but I think I've lost track of who the American <laughs> number one is. Is it still Taylor Fritz, surely? I guess. Yes, it yeah. is. Mm. Fritz, TFO, well, might not be dependent on how Corder performs. Well, yeah, we'll get on um, to him. Oh, sorry, or Tommy Paul, I should say. Mm. But um, I'm not sure if he can go above um, Fritz with those Indian Wells points. But now there's 10 Americans in the top 50, um, which that's that seems like it's almost like the Russian women from a few years ago when they were really dominating the top of top of the sport. Um, but it does feel like they're all kind of spurring each other on. They're all sort of in that age bracket from 20 to 25. Um, and hopefully there'll be a lot more competition between them to to try and be the American number one. That would be great to see. I don't think it's like, you know, France in 2009, you know, like a decade ago, where it was like they had a lot of players in the top 100, but they didn't really have like a superstar. I'm looking at this list of 10 American men, Fritz, Tiafo, Corder, Paul, Brooksby, I mean, Jos Nisner, Shelton, Wolf, Apelka, Nakashima. How young they are, I think, is what's very promising there because you've got a lot of stars who I think are yet to, to reach their potential. 
and it's going to be really fascinating to see how they go. And I think obviously Ben Shelton is the one, you know, on most people's lips at the moment in terms of the biggest prospect, maybe him alongside Jensen Brooksby. But there's so much to like, I feel, like, about Ben Shelton when he walks out onto a tennis court because he just seems to take everything, I feel, in his in his stride. I have to issue an apology. I was going to say, um, we did say for a while that Casper... Casper Ruud had been Ben Sheltoned, and now after this performance, it looks like that's not such a bad result in Cincinnati, <laughs> losing the first round. Um, it happens a lot, doesn't it, that you see uh, an upset and then suddenly you fast forward and they're sort of a, a tour leader. Like, you know, when you see um, Rybikina take out Serena at Roland Garros, and then she wins a Grand Slam and you see these people who put together these results and then suddenly... They're right at the top of the game. So that is an apology to both Ben Shelton and Casper Ruud. And we'll stop using his name as you've been Ben Shelton. I think it's time to retire that one. He's no longer a verb. And on that no note, <laughs> let's have a quick break. Uh, we'll be back in the second half where I'll be looking at all of the action from day seven of the Australian Open. So do not go anywhere. Welcome back to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And let's look back at day seven, which did see, um, well, potentially a big shock. I'm not sure how much of a shock it was for some people, but we had the battle of the the last kind of two Grand Slam champions, uh, Igor Svantec and Elena Rabakina. They were facing off against each other in the fourth round. And the end result was that Svantec was ousted from the tournament in straight set 6-4, 6-4 by Rabakina. Um, Rabakina into her first Australian Open quarterfinal. Chris, um, I know before the AO began, we were kind of all actually saying we didn't really predict Shontek to perhaps win this tournament. She was uh, feeling a, a bit more fragile coming in. She'd lost to Jesse Pagula tears afterwards, you know, in the run-up. What did you make of, of this match uh, between the two of them? Um you know, out on out on Rod Laver. Did you did you see this coming? Did you think it would be Rebecca to upset Shvontek? Or yeah, where were where were you thinking um when whilst you were watching this one? Well, I wasn't surprised. I think that we had seen um that that Iga hadn't necessarily been as confident as she had been previously. Um and and she had those wobbles. Um she actually lost to Rebekina in the sort of the off season, six three six one, and that was probably a kind of in the back of her mind a little bit that she really had to to bring her A game. Um, is it surprising? I don't think many people would have been that surprised by this result. I mean, it is the Wimbledon champion um, on paper. Obviously, the rankings do look a bit different, but this is a player who has beaten top players. She has won a slam. She's handled pressure really well previously. Um, who's really hungry for it? I think, and it's one of those. Um, results where I'm not necessarily disheartened by this because as good as Iga is for the sport, um, what's better is other great players also playing well and making it really interesting. And for Rabakina, if, if Rabakina, sorry, if for her to put together a result like this and maybe go even further, um, it's only good for the sport. And I think it does actually really help because the whole Wimbledon situation is um, relatively unfortunate when it comes to um, Elena's situation. No ranking points. Yeah, exactly. And if she if she were to um, to win this, she would she'd be in the top ten, and that's without the Wimbledon Championship uh, counting. So it's definitely um, making people 
making her impossible to ignore, I think. And she has been kind of overlooked at times. So I'm, I'm very pleased for her. Yeah, and a few years ago, coming into at the AO, Rabakina was was in great form. She got to, I think, a couple of finals, just lost to Ash Barty um, in those and at the AO. So she started off the season, you know, on a bit of a rampage a couple of years back. And I think, you know, her, her form out, out on these courts, she's obviously capable of putting it all together. And she was just the more solid, wasn't she, against Sviontek? Oh, she climbed over Sviontek's serve, I feel. Mm. It just sort of sat up for her right into the strike zone I think of, of Rabakina and um, yeah it really I think helped her cause issues I think on the Sviontek service you know service games I didn't feel like there were many comfortable holds and um, yeah it was it was it was very impressive from the, the Wimbledon champion. Yeah she um, Sviontek was I think or certainly a break up in the second set I think three love even mm-hmm. uh, but Rebecca clawed her way back and obviously got it done in, in straight sets and she's you like we saw that when we, in the Wimbledon final like she's there for the big matches um, keeps her nerve um, gets her serve you know cracking so yeah I'm really pleased for her because I do think she was hard done by with the lack of the ranking points as a result of the Wimbledon title so I'm really pleased to see her kind of making it through to this stage of a Grand Slam again um, and she's up against another player who is also a Grand Slam champion and is also into her first AO quarterfinalist um, and that's Yelena Ostapenko who beat Coco Goff, um, who we were all perhaps expecting to go a bit further. This was another stray sets win. Um, Joel, Yelena Ostapenko, perhaps someone we can never really, um, you know, write off in, in a draw. Um, very dangerous on her day. What, what did you? What have you made of her progress through the draw? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> she's a player who is very, very capable. We've seen that given that she's a former Grand Slam champion. But again, at the same time, it did take me by surprise in the sense of this was her first win over a top 10 player at a Grand Slam in three years. But to be honest, when I looked at the and I watched the match and I you know looked back over the, the highlights again, I just felt with with Coco Goff, she got her tactics wrong in the sense of the ball just was sort of sitting up. There was a bit maybe too much topspin on, I think, for example, her forehand from the baseline. And if you give Ostapenko a ball to be hit, she will hit straight through it and um, you know move you all about the court. And I just think Goff tried to out hit her from the baseline and it wasn't really working. And I think you need to be, you have to have more variety when you play against someone like Onostopenko, try and keep the balls low, mix up the speeds, really kind of upset her rhythm. Move her but, about. Yeah, exactly. But I just felt like with Goff, she just sort of played to Ostapenko's strengths. And even though I think, you know, at times she can be erratic, when you give her a, a chance, she can just run with it. And um, mm. that's exactly what happened, I felt, in this match. She had a different look about her. Um, she was. She said in the off-season she'd worked on her consistency. And I feel like in this one, she's had a bit more um, kind of at, at difficult times. Her second serve held up. She found a way to get through it. She didn't get a kind of a head down about any of the shots she was missing. And as you say, we talked about it in the Radicani match that 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 forehand is going to be an issue. Um, because if you look at this on paper, someone who moves as well as Coco Goff should be a nightmare for an Ostapenko because of how many balls she's going to have to hit. Um, and she's not someone who's known for hitting with margin. So that would be the sort of match you'd see and think that's going to be an unforced error count that will be well into the double digits per set. So I was really surprised by this result because I thought Coco would would kind of out um, outmaneuver her around the court potentially. Um, but I do think it's great to see Ostapenko kind of back in um, a quarterfinal. 
I do think she's intimidating. When she steps on the court, she she's that, like, I get the sort of sense with, with Holger Runa as well. A little bit arrogant and it's like, it's, I'm there. You might not like it's it. It's on their racket. Yeah. It's on their racket, isn't it? And they really do believe that. Um, Joel, I want to just give you a bit of credit here. You did actually predict Ostapenko for the quarterfinal. Oh, oh Joel, I completely well forgot about that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Should be you, owning you that. <laughs> I mean, Ostapenko is too love in her career against Rabakina. Um, mm. She's beaten both, uh, both times they've played, including, I think, last year in Eastbourne. But although, obviously, Rebecca I was there for to... that one. Were you? Ah, yeah. well, there I was you go. there, yeah. That was, um, that was very easy. Um, I didn't really understand where uh, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi serve was. That was really confusing to me. She well, just she really... Wimbledon at the very least. She off, did, she did indeed, yes. <laughs> I mean, let's look at the other side of the women's or on this section because we have Jessie Pagula, who me and Joel, we've both predicted her to win the title. She's still going strong. She won in straight sets, straight sets against Barbora Krachikova. Um as the third seed, many people will be looking to Pagula um, to now win. Is she, is she the new favourite? Will this will this get to her? Because you know, so far she seems to have been handling um, her her sort of top, you know, one of being one of the top seeds quite 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 nicely, um, coming through very easily. But Chris, do you think maybe she's now going to feel like a bit of extra emphasis? People more eyes on her as we're getting into the stage of the of the tournament given her kind of good form and, and where she's at with her game yeah I think it's almost impossible to ignore um, at this stage when it comes to you know we've seen people who put together results and kind of bubble under the surface we obviously said that about uh, Rebecca just now in terms of the fact that she was kind of going under the radar at this tournament and Pagula had quite a bit of buzz about her at the start of this tournament this was the one where people thought if she was gonna um, push on it it would be here she's had some great results previously it seems like she's handling the pressure really well um, she says that it feels different this time previously when she first reached the quarterfinal that was a bit of a surprise and then she backed it up last year so she's obviously very comfortable playing down under the courts suit her game um, and I think the fact that she doesn't necessarily have these expectations of herself. Um, she's she's has letting her game do the talking. So for me, I think she is probably the favourite to make um, the, the final, final yeah. with the consistency that she has. Mm. Uh, and I just think that she will pretty easily dismantle, uh, dismantle Azarenka. Um, you think easily? Two-time I, I really... former champion, Chris, Victoria wow. Azarenka. Also no, I honestly gorgeous. think that... Every time I get excited about an Azarenka performance, something happens mm. that makes me think that <laughs> she won't get kind of back up there. But I mean, Azarenka did play, um, did, she's problem solved well to get through. Mm. But Pagula is the problem that I don't think she'll have the answer to. Yeah, because Azarenka came through against Zulin, um, quite a long, lengthy encounter. I think it finished past 2 a.m. in the morning, uh, three setter. So um, I know Azarenka praised her opponent very highly after the match um, she, and she'd never played her before. So she said she didn't really know much about her, but she just kind of, yeah, like you said, problem solved to get it done. I'm sure she'll know a lot more about Jesse Pagula, but yeah, perhaps Pagula's consistency up against um, Azarenka, who we know can be quite wayward and erratic at times. It depends what Azarenka's going to turn up, I think. I think if Azarenka's on mm. peak form, she might just be too much, but I think often consistency does does win out. Um, so that will be, I think that's going to be a really exciting, exciting match to see. Quite intrigued by that one. Um, let's just touch upon the men's action from from day seven. Cast our minds back 
Um, the match, I guess, on the men's side was, yeah, another five-set thriller. Stefan Ossitspas against Yannick Sinner. I think when I saw this in the draw, I thought, oh, Yannick Sinner always seems to get kind of caught up in these five-set matches in Grand Slams. Um, that ultimately which- end in defeat. Which he did, which he ultimately loses like that Novak Djokovic run at Wimbledon um, and also against Alcaraz at the US Open. But, you know, both times those two individuals have gone on to, to win the tournament. So, you know, Sinner lost to Sitspass in, in five sets here on, you know, um, Sunday. But does this mean Sitspass is potentially going on to win the tournament? Is, is Sinner the one that always loses out? Um, Joel, what did, what did you make of, of Sinner yet again at this stage, Get you know, five set thrillers what did you make of, of his match what did you make of sits pass you know doing what he does out in melbourne trying to get through to what i think a, th- a third semi-final in, in four years i think it is for, for sits pass potentially yeah sister pass played very very well for the first two sets i thought it was just going to be another you know straight sets walk and i think it's testament to how much Yannick Sinner kind of fought back that he was able to take it to a fifth and uh, you know there were points where I did wonder whether he was going to go back to back um, you know two sets down winning three sets to two um, because he did it in the in the previous round as well but um, yes it, I think all credit to Sissipas he didn't panic in that fifth set um, and I think you know he's had I mean both players I feel I've like had all these sorts of moments build up um, across all of their playing at Grand Slams over the years. And, um, you know, they're both kind of experienced competitors now. But, um, yeah, for me, I guess it's it's still frustrating that Yannick Sinner, a little bit, I think, like Andre Rublev, is in that sort of nearly, that nearly moment. He's still waiting to break free and he becomes painfully close so many times. And, and maybe it's unfortunate that his seeding means that he faces these players you know, around earlier on because he certainly got the game that is just so, so close, I think, to to making that breakthrough. But it's just not, it's just not coming yet. But I have no doubt that it, it is around the corner. Yeah, I, th- I do feel like we're somewhat of a broken record a bit with, with the Annex yeah. Sinners and the Andre Rublevs. We sort of seem to have this conversation a lot in our slam catch-ups but I, I yeah I do hope that he will finally get that breakthrough and actually win one of these matches and potentially go all the way he played so well in in sets three and sets four it's just you know that you know the momentum that I think yeah. Sissipas was able to kind of stop um in in the fifth set was what was impressive because um yeah it's it's not easy he does have the crowd with him you know all the all the all the Greeks um yeah in in the crowd which i think really help him and um yeah i think he's i still think he's looking like a a very good prospect to get to the get to the semi-finals or better yeah because he's got yuri lehechka next who beat mm. felix oj alisim in, in four sets and you know lehechka also knocked out cameron nori and, and to be fair it, it makes nori um not seem quite so bad that defeat really now that lehechka's gone on to beat faa you know he's down at seventy-one in the world, but you know he's he's only twenty-one years of age. He's putting together this run at, at the Slam, and I, I mean I, I definitely think that Spass is is winning this. I, but I think Lehechka making you know his first Slam quarterfinal, he's he's certainly come onto my radar. I, I hadn't really, um, you know, I've, I've never really watched him play much before before this this fortnight. So, um, Chris, do do you have any? Any words to, to add on, on Yuri Lehechka? Did, did you see him making any kind of um, inroads into the Sitspass game, given how well Sitspass is playing generally so far this week? I I think it's 
always tricky to play against someone who is the underdog. Mm. Um, and he's, he's, I mean, he's put together some great results and played tennis like we sort of not seen before. And from him, especially. So I, I guess with me, it, it, it will be depend on the start that he gets. Um, we've seen kind of players that are up and coming who haven't uh, got up to a good start and then it becomes a kind of a, a whitewash, you know? So I think for me, I hope that he makes it competitive and kind of gets that first set. But I do also think that Sitsipas pass is going to come through this, um, through this one, that's for sure. And on the other side of this um, half of the men's draw, we had Seb Corder who came through against Hubert Herkaj. Last set tie break, cracking match um very very close towards the end the, the the first four sets were kind of quite one way but it all came down to that last set tie break um Korda, you know backing up his excellent form you know coming into the the tournament and many people have got high hopes for him this tournament um including myself and my predictions um he's made it through he's got karen hatchinov next who is very experienced at grand slam level um Looking at the scoreline of, of Hatchinov's fourth round, very um, interesting. It was six love, six love um, at, at one point. Wow. A, like a double bagel. Um, very, very strange. And then it went to tie break in the third set. Hatchinov himself said he didn't really know what was going on in those first two sets <laughs> um, against Nishioka. Um, Joel, did you watch much of, of this match? What, what was the story of those first two sets? <laughs> I, I, I watched some of the highlights and yeah, I, I was wondering if it was ever, it was, I was wondering if it was going to be like a triple bagel at, at some point. Can you imagine? But you, I know, right? It just very, very rare, particularly in a, in a fourth round, I feel, of a, a major. But the more I was watching it, the more I did think about Karen Kachinov and his career and his performances at Grand Slams, because I, I do think he is a player who goes unnoticed, really. And now he has been in the quarterfinals or better at every slam. But I don't feel like he gets the credit that maybe he deserves. Mm, I that's agree. a tough one, I think. I do you agree. think? Well, he has a game that means he should have been to more than this is his fourth Grand Slam quarterfinal obviously he made the semi-finals uh, just recently at last year's US Open but I mean if you saw if you if we watched back that match in Paris when he won the title and just how hard he was hitting the ball and it was you just thought he would rise to the top of the game and stay there so I think now if he's able to kind of mature a bit later um, I, I would say he's a, obviously a very talented player but he definitely has not always put it together and he has always had the weapons. Kind of in the Pavlochenkova category, like you were saying earlier, is it, is it finally going to come together and he's going to go super deep? Because he's been to, mm. to all the slams now. I think he's the yeah. 50th man in the open era to get to that, or like to complete the quarterfinal set at all the slams. But definitely could have done more with his talent, but on his day, absolute, you know, can knock out the best in the world. Um, so I don't think he should be under underestimated and... Oh, I'd, like, I'd like to see Corder come through because I think he's the more I exciting also... prospect, but I wouldn't be surprised if Hatchinov gets the job done, especially if Corder's a bit tired after the Herkaj match. Um, but we will see. We will see. They'll be in action tomorrow. Let's very quickly, before we look at tomorrow's schedule, uh, collect a set, a bit of a mini update. Um, quite low scores, I think, from all our participants this week. We this, can uh, skip edition. this one, Kim. I'm pretty sure we <laughs> oh, can no, skip we this can't. one. Joel and it's I don't want to know this. It's been a big time shocker. We can't skip it because I just want to point out that I'm currently in the lead with two correct <laughs> right. I think I'm the it's only person. <laughs> only person. And I've still got Jesse Bagula and Seb Corder to go. So, you know, oh. 
just putting it out there. But Kim. I mean, if I win, I'm just going to be giving a mug from myself to myself. Yeah. So I am actually looking yes. forward to really the much. the tennis weekly. Uh, the bank the bank account it won't have to fork out for any postage and, and packaging which uh, yeah, will be so. absolute uh, music to my ears we might have to get a wooden spoon for one of us for the worst <laughs> scoring because has anyone ever got zero out of out of the out oh, of you yes. guys before? oh yes yeah, it has I'm happened sure we have time. many times oh, it certainly fine. happened to me and, and it's looking i mean jesse pagula might save me but yeah it's it's not looking good can anyone beat you kim um i'd have to number crunch a bit more i think i think they probably could but um, okay it's yeah still all to play for it's still all to play for and it is very much still all to play for in in the real life um because we do have all the quarterfinals kicking off from tomorrow so um guys let's just have a quick look um we've got rabakina versus ostapenko tomorrow uh mm-hmm. Hatchinov against korda pagula azarenka and sitspas lehechka um so Let's go around the room. Rebecca and Ostapenko, who's winning and how many sets? Joel? Ostapenko in three. Oh, Chris? Ostapenko in two. Oh, okay. Rebecca in three. I'm going to be different. Um, okay. Hatchinov, Korda. Joel? Oh, Hatchinov in four. Oh, Chris? Oh, this is speed. Lightning round. Korda in five. Ah, <laughs> I know. Um... I'm going to say Hatchinov in five. Ooh, I think Korda's going to get tired. Uh, okay. Pagula Azarenka. Chris, I'm starting with you this time. Pagula in two. Ooh, okay. Um, Joel? Azarenka in three. Ooh. I really want Pagula because I've predicted her to win. However... <laughs> oh, I had Jesse Pagula to win as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm still going Azarenka. I think Azarenka in three, actually. I, I Yeah. I'm the same. Okay, and last but not least, Sitspas against Lehechka. I'm going to start on this Sitspas in three for me. Um, Chris? I'll say Sitspas in four. Ooh, and Joel? Sitspas in three, surely. Oh, surely. Go wild. <laughs> no, I can't. And I bet all of those will be very, um, very wrong. <laughs> I, actually, the draw I'm looking at, there's a bit that um, after the quarter match, it just says intentionally blank on the schedule, which I, I quite like that. It's like they put in the buffer <laughs> that we need so that the night session doesn't start ridiculously late. Um, on that note, I think we've come to the end of um, our round four catch up. But I, I just one thing on the doubles, I did notice that Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram had lost, which made me quite sad. Uh, when I was looking through my morning results. Um, but I think Neil Skupski is still in it. So we've still got some British hopes there. Yes, there is still some British hope in Melbourne. Listeners, I hope you have enjoyed our latest episode of the Tennis Weekly podcast. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come from Melbourne. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. You can email us at tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website, www.tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back on Wednesday evening at Tennis Weekly HQ for our quarterfinals catch up. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.